Parshish Nisavim, Rosh Hashanah, the thirsty nation. On Rosh Hashanah, we blow the shofar again and again. And although we're hungry, we want to go home and eat already. But we stand in shul listening to the Baal Tokeya, blowing the shofar, much more than is required by the Torah. We have tikkios before Musaf, a lot of them. And then more tikkios during Musaf. And then again, another set of tikkios after Musaf. What's that all about? Aren't we overdoing it? That's the Gemara's question in Rosh Hashanah. Why do they make tikkios so many times? It seems so unnecessary. We fulfilled the mitzvah before Musaf already. You can't do a mitzvah twice. Now listen to what the Gemara answers. We do it in order to confuse the Satan. It's the day of judgment. And there's a Malach Hashem standing there ready to prosecute us. That's his job today. And he has many claims against us. We're human beings after all. And human beings do things. And we're being judged now for those things. And the prosecutor comes to the courtroom with a lot of files. A lot of evidence. There's a lot he has written down about our past year. And that's not good. It's quite scary. So what saves us? How do we come away from the Yom Adin safely? So the Chachamim tell us it's by blowing extra tikkias. We confuse the Satan by blowing more than we have to. Now that needs to be explained because the Satan is not a foolish man. He's a malach, a very wise malach who's not easily confused. You're not going to trick him by repeating some tikkias. You can be sure about that. And so it's a puzzle. What does it mean that we confuse the Satan with extra chauffeur blows? So we'll preface the answer with a pasuk in our parsha. Moshe Rabbeinu, Al Pi Hashem, is warning the Am Yisrael to stay far away from sin. And he says like this, Pen yesh bachem ish, o isha, o mishpocha, o shevet, asher levavo, pone hayom, mi'im Hashem elokenu. Perhaps there is someone among you, a man, a woman, or a family, or tribe, whose thoughts stray from Hashem, our God. Nitzavim. It's talking about someone who has an inclination to follow after his own thoughts. And because of that, he's veering away from the ideals of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. He's a Maimon. He believes in Hashem. And he's Shobar Torah Umitzvis. But there are certain attitudes that are simmering in his mind. I'm going to go the way my mind sees, he says. And in case you would think that it's not too serious, the Torah says, Shoresh Pore Rosh Velana. It's a root producing gall and bitter fruit. Mafre umarbe resha bikirbo. He planted bitter seeds in his mind, and now there are poisonous plants growing there. Rashi. Now, what is the example that the Torah brings of a man who is planting poisonous ideas in his head? It's important information to know, so that we can stay clear of the danger. So the Pasuk says like this His sin is that he's sifot harava et hatsmeya. He's joining together those who are satiated with those who are still thirsty. Now these are very mysterious words. He's joining the satiated with the thirsty. We can say them, but we don't understand them. And yet we must understand them. Because whatever they mean, whatever that man is thinking, it's quite terrible. Because the Torah says, Lo yoveh Hashem, sloach lo. Hashem will be unwilling to forgive him. Ki az yeshan af Hashem, bikinato biish hahu. The wrath of Hashem will fume, and his vengeance will inflame that man. And there will come upon him 
all the curses written in the Torah, and Hashem will wipe away his name from beneath the sky. All the curses written in the Torah, fuming wrath and vengeance. What did this person do already? We're expecting to hear something very big now, something terrible. And so the Gemara in Sanhedrin says like this, what did he do? He was walking, let's say, past the Chinese fruit store, and he saw a fruit lying on the sidewalk. An apple fell off the bin, and in another minute, someone will pass by and kick it into the gutter. So the Jew bends over, picks up the apple, and puts it back on the bin. Oh, that's a good citizen. Maybe he should get a special commendation from the mayor. A key to the city. Could be. But about him, the Torah says, Lo yoveh Hashem, sloach lo. Hashem will not want to forgive him for what he did. Not only that he won't forgive him, he won't desire to forgive him. Hashem won't even desire to forgive him. What did this man do wrong already? He did a good deed. He picked up the apple and put it back on the bin. That's all he did. The answer to that puzzle is, he added those who are already satiated unto those who are still thirsty. It means like this. The Jewish nation is a nation that is thirsty for mitzvahs. The other nations, on the other hand, are satiated. And by putting that apple back into the bin, by fulfilling the mitzvah of Hashavah Saveida to a Gentile, you are equating the satiated nations with the thirsty one. Don't think Hashavah Saveida is just something that we do for the sake of the upkeep of society. Our sages are teaching us a secret here, a secret that applies to all of the mitzvahs Bein Adam L'Chavedo. When we go out of our way to do a mitzvah, whether it's returning a lost object or giving sadaka, whatever it is, we do it because there's a special mitzvah to honor the Jewish people. The nation whose desire for avoidus Hashem is never quenched. Now, that's not the whole story of the Am Yisrael, but it's one of the important differences between us and the nations of the world. Am Yisrael are tzmeim la'avoydes yotzram. They're thirsty for mitzvahs, while the Gentiles are satiated. They're not interested. The Jew is busy all day long with mitzvahs. Pasha, the Jews are keeping the Torah everywhere. A from Jew gets up early in the morning to go to shul, and then a few hours later, he's back in shul again. Old people, bakrim, and little children are going to shul, back and forth, back and forth. Shachras, minchamariv, he davens and he learns a little bit too. He puts a nickel in the pushka whenever he gets a chance. All week long, the Am Yisrael is busy with mitzvahs. Nobody is looking to dodge any mitzvahs. And then Shabbos comes. Everyone is preparing for Shabbos. Women and young girls are standing over the stove for hours. L'chuvah Shabbos. A very great mitzvah. The Jewish stores are crowded. Long lines filled with people paying big sums of money. And for what? For the mitzvah of Shabbos. Are going busy with mitzvahs all day long. They don't even fathom the idea of such a thirst. A goy sees the Jew walking back and forth to shul a few times a day, and he doesn't understand what's happening. Where is this crazy Jew going back and forth, back and forth all day long? He doesn't understand. He goes to church once a month, and the priest says, all of your sins are forgiven, and finished. Don't think that the Catholics or the Protestants, even the religious ones, are the same as you, only that the religion is different. Nope. Don't make any mistake about that. There is a very wide chasm between you and them. Even if they do some things, they're zat. They're overfed. They're not thirsty for mitzvahs. I'll tell you what they're thirsty for. You walk in the streets early in the morning in a Gentile neighborhood. 
a respectable upper-class Catholic neighborhood, and lying stretched out on the ground is a good Catholic. He's drunk, and he's been sleeping on the street all night. I walked in the Catholic neighborhoods 40 years ago, and I saw that many times. Drunk all night, fast asleep in the gutter. And then he gets up in the morning, staggers home, and tells everybody, Ooh, what a time I had last night. He's proud of himself. It wasn't even considered a chisorim. Many people admired him. They were jealous of him. It was an exploit. He would tell his friends about it. Did I ever tell you about the time that I slept drunk in the gutter the whole night? A goy is satiated with drink. Other things, too. He wants mitzvahs like he wants a hole in his shoe. Did you ever see a Jew lying drunk in the street at night? Maybe today you could. But 40 years ago, you couldn't. Does a Jew go to the pub and drink after his day at the office? He's busy with better things. He's learning with his children. He's wiped out from a long day in the office, but he sits down to chazer over the Gemara with his boys. And what's he doing in the office anyhow? He's there for mitzvahs. It costs big money to raise a Jewish family today. People are spending tremendous sums to bring up their children. We're trying very hard to get vouchers. At least the IRS should recognize what we're paying for tuition and give us a rebate on our income tax. The reformed Jews are fighting against us. They don't want us to get deductions because once we have an opportunity to get rebates on our school expenses, then maybe more and more Jews will send their children to yeshivas. The reform is afraid of that. But no matter what, rebate or no rebate, the Am Yisrael is paying the money anyhow. We're spending tremendous sums on schar limud. Only a thirsty nation would do such a thing. Even our little children are tzmeim the mitzvahs. They're thirsting for mitzvahs. Go out in the streets in the morning. You see boys and girls everywhere waiting for the buses. The little boys with their tzitzis and the yarmulkes and payas. All mitzvahs. And the girls in skirts. Sneas girls. They're going to the Beis Yaakovs, the yeshivas. And the little boys are in the cheder all day long sitting and learning. Elu mitzvahs. All kinds of dinim. When you have to return a lost article, how to return it? Little boys, not even bar mitzvah, are learning the details of the mitzvahs. Does the Italian send his children to places where they learn the mitzvahs of Ashava Seveida? No, he's sending his children to public school or to the Gentile private schools where they're learning kol davar asur, what they study and practice in those schools. I don't want to even say the words in a shul. That's the thirst of a goy. There's no comparison between the Gentile and the Jew. No comparison at all. And if you compare them by how you act and how you think when you're passing the Chinese fruit store, then you're committing a very terrible sin. For Yisroel, achicha, yes, you bend over and pick it up. Avedat achicha, the lost object of your brother, in mitzvahs, you're mechuyav to return. A nation that does mitzvahs. So we do mitzvahs for them. It's an honor they deserve. We're thirsty for mitzvahs, and we deserve tremendous honor because of that. But the Gentiles, they don't want to do any mitzvahs. So we don't go out of our way to honor them with our mitzvahs. Now, I don't want you people to go away and make a calumny against me that I said you shouldn't return lost articles to Gentiles. I never said such a thing. Suppose you find a lost article, a wallet. You open it up and you see the name James Walsh inside. James Walsh, not a Jew. And so you're considering... Do I have to return it? Well, if the police ordinances require that any lost article must be returned, so a Jew is as loyal a citizen as anyone else. A good Jew is even more loyal to his country than a Gentile citizen.
So you obey the city ordinances and you take Mr. Walsh's wallet to the police station. That's well and good. If the government says you must, so you follow the government. Dina de Malchusa Dina. It's a law. And even if it's not a law, if you tell me that you pick it up because you want to show that Jews are good people, Darke Shalom, all right, maybe. Let's say there are Goyim standing around. All right, pick up the apple and put it back in the bin. Be a nice fellow so that the Goyim will say, you see that? The Jews aren't so bad after all. Absolutely, it's a mitzvah to raise the honor of the Jewish people in the eyes of the Goyim. But if you put it into the bin and you're thinking, I'm doing the mitzvah of Ashava Seveda, this is what the Torah means. So you're doing something terrible. What's so terrible? It's a wickedness to give a non-Jew the recognition, the honor that the Torah reserved only for the people of Israel. And lo yoveh Hashem, sloach lo. Hashem will refuse to forgive him because he has committed a crime, a very great crime against the greatness of the Am Yisrael. He made equal the satiated with those who are thirsty always for mitzvahs. And therefore, sometimes you just have to pass by. After all, there's no law that you have to bend over to pick up the apple. There's no such thing that when you pass by a fruit stand, you must pick up the apple and put it back. No. And therefore, when no one is watching, you'll just have to pass by. Because as good as it is to raise the honor of the Jewish people in the eyes of the Gentiles, it's even a bigger mitzvah to raise the honor of the Jewish people in your own eyes. I myself make it a point to pass by. I wouldn't pick it up. I make it a point to keep on walking and I remind myself, only for Yisroel, for Tzame le mitzvah, there's a mitzvah. Now, We're not disparaging anyone else. We're polite and kind to everyone. We follow all the laws of the land. And we have nothing against anyone. Only that we're talking here about a matter of a special esteem for those who deserve to be honored. We're talking now about how we have to go above and beyond for a Pashat a Jew. Because he's not Pashat at all. And the mitzvah of Hashavah Seveda is just one example of how we do that. It's one opportunity to demonstrate how greatly you value the importance of a Yisrael. For him you're moichel on your time, on your covet, on the tircha. And you bend over and pick up the apple. And you think, I'm doing a mitzvah deraisa, of returning a lost object to a brother. A brother b'mitzvah, a person from the nation that goes overboard for mitzvahs. And so we come back now to the puzzle that we began our talk with tonight. What does it mean that the Satan is confused when he sees that we're standing up again by Musaf and blowing the shofar? How does the extra tikkias protect the Am Yisroel on the Day of Judgment? The answer is like this. It's not the mitzvah that saves us. It's the chiba of the mitzvah. It's the love of the mitzvah that confuses the Satan. Because he sees that they love mitzvahs. They love mitzvahs very much. That's the one thing that knocks the Satan out entirely. When he sees that we're standing up now to blow the shofar again, what's going on? They blew already. Then all of his claims become muted. They're made quiet. When he sees that the Am Yisrael just can't get enough of mitzvahs, they did the mitzvah already, but they're thirsty for more. That knocks him over. He still has claims against us, but he does it with a different niggin. He says it with respect now. The Satan has a newfound respect for us. And therefore, even though the Satan will not yield his duty, he has to carry out his mission to be Malamed Chov al Am But when he sees that we're Choizrin that we're blowing shofar again, 
that causes him to be quiet. He gets confused. He knows exactly what he wanted to say, but all of a sudden his arguments fall apart. The foundation of his whole argument against us becomes confused because he sees he's dealing now with the nation that is hungry for mitzvahs. Now I told you once before that one of the purposes of Malachim is that they should be a model for us. That's why we say every day in davening about the angels, praising Hashem. We talk about it at length. It's the bracha of Yoytzer HaMe'oyres. And then in Kedusha, it's because we're supposed to study that and learn from them how to praise Hashem. And since the Satan is a Malach Hashem too, we have to know that he's a model for us too. Not only do we see that the Malach is knocked out by this attitude of the Am Yisrael, but we see that it's an attitude that matters. If it's so big that this Malach is confounded and all of his arguments against the Am Yisrael fall apart, then it's something we have to learn to appreciate. There's a tale, a story in the Gemara Shabbos about Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai. Rabbi Shimon was once sentenced to death by the Romans because he had criticized the Roman government. Now, when the Romans pronounced the death sentence on a person, it wasn't like in New York. It was serious business. So when Rabbi Shimon heard about this, he did the smartest thing. He ran away with his son and hid in a cave. For 12 years, they sat in the cave, hiding from the Romans. Now you have to know that it was during those 12 years that Rabbi Shimon and his son became exceedingly great. What went on in that cave was tremendous. They didn't want to wear out their clothing. So they dug a hole in the ground and they sat in the sand up to their necks all day long, and they learned Torah. When they had to daven, so they climbed out of the hole and put on their clothing, and davened. Then they took off their clothing and went back into the hole again. That's how they spent 12 years. It wasn't an easy life. Their bodies were full of sores from the sand. They had a lot of other saras too. But they became very great in Shlemis. Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai and his son, Rabbi Elazar Bereb Shimon, became very great men as a result. These 12 years elevated them immensely. Finally, at the end of 12 years, a message was sent to them, Mishamayim, the danger is over. You can go out now. So they went out, back to civilization. And what did they see? They saw people, Pasha to Jews. They saw people who were farmers, people raising cattle. And they said, what's this? Milking cows? You're wasting your life with milking cows and planting fields? They didn't understand that people should give their time for anything but perfection. Shlemus of Avoidus Hashem. So wherever they looked, they were dissatisfied with what they saw. And because of their Kedusha, wherever they looked with their holy eyes, it was destroyed. They took a look. They disapproved of what they saw. And Miyad Nisraf, it was destroyed. They destroyed this field. They destroyed that field. They couldn't tolerate what they were seeing. So Hashem said, you think I let you come out of your cave to destroy my world? Is that how you look at my people? Go back to the cave again. Go back and stay there. And so Rabbi Shimon and his son returned to living in the cave. After one more year in the cave, they finally came out again. It was Erev Shabbos, and they saw an old man running. Now, old men don't run. For an old man, it's hard sometimes just to bend over and to tie his shoes. But here was an old man who was running. And in his hands, he was carrying two branches of Hadassim. So they said to him, what are you running for? He said, I'm going home to bring flowers for Shabbos. Look over Shabbos. So Rabbi Shimon said, so why do you need two? He said, Echad keneged zachor, 
Be'echad keneged shamor. Lekuvah Chabbos, one sprig for the word Zachor and one for the word Shamor. When the Rabbi Shimon saw that, he became so excited. Ooh, said the Rabbi Shimon, I changed my mind now about the Pasha to Jews. Chazi kama chavivin mitzvahs al Yisroel. Look how cherished the mitzvahs are to the Jewish people. The Pasha to Jews are koidish kadashim, said Rabbi Shimon, because they're thirsty for mitzvahs. An old man running Lukovich Habis. And so, Nisyashev Dato, the mind of Rabbi Shimon was appeased. Now he was satisfied with the Am Yisrael. Not only satisfied, he appreciated them. He respected them. And now he didn't cause any more trouble when he looked. Because wherever he looked, he saw greatness. Wherever he looked, he saw a nation that thirsted for mitzvahs. They're milking cows. They're planting crops. They're in their homes. Whatever they're doing, they're living lives of mitzvahs. What we see from this story is that Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, despite all of the shlemas that he achieved in the cave during those 12 years, nevertheless, he needed one more madrega of perfection. And that was to recognize the godless of the Frum Jew, even the Pashita Frum Jew. Rabbi Shimon was already very great from his years in that cave, but it wasn't enough. He had to achieve one more thing, one more attitude of the mind. The apex, the crown of his shlemas was to be impressed with the stature of the most simple Jew, to respect and admire the nation that is thirsty for mitzvahs. So we begin to see that even though you're a sholem, even though you're moise nefesh for avodas Hashem, like Rabbi Shimon and his son, you're succeeding in learning Torah. You're even learning the deepest secrets of the Torah. Nevertheless, there's one more secret that you still have to learn. You must add to the list of your achievements the very great perfection of recognizing the Gedulos Am Yisroel, the nation that loves mitzvahs. No matter how great you are in Avaitis Hashem and how great you are in Torah knowledge, you must add this attitude of mind to your store of knowledge, the respect and the honor for our fellow Yisroel. On the Yomim Noroim, in our Tefilas, we say the following words, Ubechen ten kavod Hashem la'amecha tehila l'reyecha. Hashem, give honor to your people. Praise for those who fear you. Again and again, we repeat those words. It means that we're praying to HaKadosh Baruch Hu that the time should come when He should reveal to the nations of the world that we are the ones deserving of honor. Right now, they're busy doing the opposite. It's an old story from the beginning of our history. No people have been vilified and insulted and blackened as the Jew. And therefore, we look forward to the time when the Gentiles should give honor to the Jews. Now, it's not merely a selfish desire. We don't need their honor. We're not looking for that. But it's the honor of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Those who honor him deserve to be recognized. And who in the world honors HaKadosh Baruch Hu like we do? We are the Oise Mitzvahs, the ones who are constantly fulfilling his commands. And therefore, we're looking forward to the day when the world will finally recognize that because we are the ones that have remained thirsty for mitzvahs and loyal to him always. We are the ones deserving of honor. That's our fervent wish. And we repeat it again and again in our tefillahs. Ubchen ten kavod la'amecha. Tehila l'reecha. Now the first thing HaKadosh Baruch Hu says when he hears that is, what about you? Are you honoring your fellow Jews? Did you ever say to yourself, when you see a stranger, a Jew, in the street, that man over there is an aristocrat 
who deserves all the honor in the world, even if the king of England would be walking past me. That would be nothing compared to this Jew, the one who is Tame la mitzvah. If you're not thinking that way, then you're not thinking. And it's a requirement. Otherwise, you're not speaking to Hashem in truth. Hashem should honor the Am Yisrael. You're just saying words. It's in the Machsor, so you have no choice. You can't skip it after all. But do you really care about their honor? Are you doing something about it? I'm talking Halach Lamaisa now. Practical things, not just Devarim Baalma. Suppose you're sitting on a bus. It's a bus that runs through a certain neighborhood. And it's packed with anti-Semites. A lot of irreligious Jews too. Many of them are also anti-Semites. And suddenly there comes up on the bus a Jew with a beard. A big conspicuous beard. He's standing there. One elderly Jew standing all alone on a bus full of goyim. Everybody has seats. He happens to be the only one without a seat. And he's swaying with every lurch of the bus. And nobody even bothers to offer him a seat. What do they care for an elderly Jew? Let him stand. Let him collapse. They don't care. But you remember now what you said on Rosh Hashanah. Hashem, give honor to your people. And even though you're wiped out after a long day of work, could be you're older than him. And maybe your beard is whiter. But no matter. You get up and you offer him your seat. You're making a scene. A public demonstration of ten kavod la You shake hands with him with respect, with kavod. A big shalom aleichem you give him. And you show that he's an honored man. Now it could be he sells herring in the grocery store. He's not a great rabbi. Maybe he's not even a little rabbi. But it makes no difference. He's a Jew. He's from the Yireecha, those who fear Hashem. He's from the Tzimeim Lemitzvis, the nation that thirsts for mitzvot. And that's why you go out of your way to honor him. That's enough of a reason. It doesn't matter to you. A herring salesman or a Rosh Hashiva. He's a thirsty Jew and he deserves all the honor in the world. You have to work on that until it gets into your bones. Some people live their entire lives and never gain this attitude. And it's a tremendous loss because it's one of the insights of being a Jew. It's one of our functions in this world. It's a principle of the Torah to realize the greatness of the nation that appreciates Avodah Hashem. Absolutely. Not only on the nation as a whole, but the prat on each Jew. It makes no difference. If it's an old man or a little girl or a little boy, all the from men and women, all the from boys and girls, we should be giving them great honor. It's something you have to practice. You won't believe it unless you think about it often. It takes training. Imagine your wife's cousin is coming over to visit. Now, I'm not saying you have to waste time with him. Sometimes you might waste time, and it's devotim betalim. It's a waste of life. But here is an opportunity for you to become great. By learning to respect a tzamei la mitzvah. While he's talking, maybe he's not saying anything important. So you're nodding your head and you're thinking, this man is so holy, I admire him and respect him. There's nothing in the world more dignified, more honorable than my wife's cousin. You know, it's not easy to love every Yisrael. But to train yourself little by little to have respect for him because he's serving Hashem. That's much easier. He's a tzamei la mitzvah. And you have to deal with him like he's Kodesh Kadoshim. It's completely impossible to think of being Mevazehim. Even though you are angry at him, you can't scorn. You can't speak impolitely to a Yisrael. It's of the utmost importance to be Mechabed every Yisrael. Every Yisrael. I'll give you another Eitzah. 
something to practice. Let's say you pass by a home, a Jewish home, and one house over, there's another Jewish home. But in between, there's a Gentile home with an Italian flag outside. It's a neat home with a neat garden. Very nice. Very nice. But you should understand, there's a hefsick in between the two Jewish homes. Here's Kedusha, then there's nothing, then there's Kedusha again. A Jewish home is without measure, superior to the non-Jewish home. You have to have the greatest derech edits for a from Jewish home. Because who's living in those homes? It's not the overfed Italians living there. It's thirsty Jews, Jewish children, Jewish grandmothers, Jewish mothers and fathers. It's a nation that is beloved by Hashem because they love mitzvahs. All day long you hear brachas in that house. There's a tehillim on the table. The girls are davening Shemona Esrei in the corner. It's a house of mitzvahs. And if you don't appreciate that, then it's a danger. Because lo yove Hashem sloach lo. Hashem won't want to forgive you if you equate the Jewish homes with those of the Gentiles. And therefore, there's no better time than now, as we're going into a new year, to make a commitment to yourself. HaKadosh Baruch Hu, this year is going to be a year of raising the banner of the greatness of your people. This year, I'm going to respect and honor the Am Yisrael. All of them. I'm going to take the tremendous lesson of Parshas Nitzavim and the Tzfilas of the Yomim Noroim and make it a principle all year round to give honor to your people. And then you get busy doing it. Honor every Jew. At least in your mind, you should look at a fellow Jew with great respect. It's not only a matter of picking up lost apples from the sidewalk. It's an attitude of the mind. It's a tremendous perfection of the mind to think this way. Every from mother deserves honor. The bigger the family, the bigger the honor. How greatly you respect a mother who raises a family of little tzaddikim. Boys and girls who will someday be big tzaddikim. What a tremendous achievement. We honor such a mother. We honor Jews who sit by the Gemara in the base Medrash. We honor the young boys and girls who give away their days in the yeshivas and base Yaakovs. We honor the Pashat Jew on the street because he's not Pashat at all. We make sure to honor all the people who are proud to show they're from Jews. They look like Jews and talk like Jews and are thirsty for mitzvahs like Jews. We honor the thirsty nation to no end. And by means of always honoring the Shoimle Torah Umitzvahs, we fulfill our function in this world of not joining the satiated to the thirsty, of not equating the Jews with the nations of the world. And then the time will come when what we worked on all these years, this attitude that we gained, will be revealed to the world. The Gemara says in Avoy Dezorah that in the days of Mashiach, those Goyim that survived will bring up a claim against HaKadosh Baruch Hu. They'll say that they are just as thirsty for mitzvahs as the Jewish nation is. If we had received the Torah, they'll say, we would have also fulfilled it the same way the Am Yisrael did. That's what the Goyim will say. Why are we considered so low? Why are Am Yisrael superior to us? You gave them a Torah. If you had given us a Torah, we also would have done the Torah. So Hashem says, you're claiming that you have an argument against me. So I'll give you one last chance. One last chance. I want you to fulfill the mitzvah of Sukkah. It states, It's the last chance to show that they really would mean business if they had a Torah. Oh, the Goyim hear that. Our last chance. We'll show Hashem. And they all make sukkahs. They're sitting in the sukkah. Why not? It's nice weather. 
It's not too hot outside. It's comfortable in the sukkah, in that weather. They're sitting comfortably and they're eating, having a good time, and they're patting themselves on the shoulder. We could also make a mitzvah of sukkah. We're also a thirsty nation. If only he would have chosen us. What does Hashem do? Hashem moitzi chama minartika. He makes the sun become very hot. The sun becomes very hot. And in the sukkah, it becomes very hot. What happens? The goyim get up and leave the sukkah. They say, it's so uncomfortable here now. I had enough. And some of them even give a kick as they walk out. They're boit. They give a kick to the sukkah as they walk out. Oh, what Kadosh Baruch Hu says, these people are not thirsty for my mitzvahs. That's what I meant to show you. The Am Yisrael is the nation that is thirsty for mitzvahs. That's how they lived for thousands of years. And the hot sun means nothing to them. They're my chosen nation, the people that deserve the true covet because they are thirsty for mitzvahs. And just like they never equated the thirsty and the satiated, I'll never do it either. And then, we'll witness with our own eyes the fulfillment of V'tein Kavod La'amecha. HaKadosh Baruch Hu, give honor to your nation. And the people that truly thirsted for Hashem and His mitzvahs will forever bask in their well-deserved glory. Have a wonderful Shabbos. Let's get practical. Appreciating those appreciated by Hashem. This week I will believe that work on differentiating between the satiated and the thirsty, and on giving honor to those who fear him. Three times a day, I will look at a fellow Jew and think, this is a beloved son or daughter of Hashem, and I appreciate them.